doctrine of demons is just basically mindsets and belief systems that we pick up that are in line with evil. Hey, this is Unrefined Podcast. Welcome to another episode. Welcome, you guys. Brandon here, and we have another episode of Unrefined, where everybody on the podcast is unrefined except for the guest. But today's guest is actually a little unrefined like we are, and I think it's really awesome. And Lindsay's in the house. Yeah, he is. Yeah, and whoop, whoop. our friend Tim Holloway, I've uh, actually partnered with him in, in some ministry stuff. We're going to talk about Band of Brothers later on in the show, but to start off everything, um, he is an amazing man with many many skills. He's multifaceted, and I'm going to let him give just a few minutes just to tell us what he is up to and what he's doing. So go ahead, Tim. Awesome. Awesome, brother. Man, I appreciate you. And uh, just so the listeners know, Brandon's being a little bit humble. I, yeah, I do consider him one of my mentors. So <laughs> he's speaking into my life and just really uh, epic brother. So uh, just being a little humble there. But, ah, uh, man, you. how about, you're welcome. 2011, I had a crisis. The crisis was, am I going to pursue the path of ministry that was laid out for me? Or am I going to take a different path? And so I've always been open to different mindsets and belief systems. And so that's to say I've read a lot of books and, and was kind of well-read and stuff, uh, probably books that, you know, majority of people just kind of stay away from. But uh, at any rate, there was a crisis during that time of, am I going to go the traditional ministry route of using people to build my ministry and really you know, create little servants and, and that, that serve me and stuff like that. Or was I going to like drop that paradigm and, um, go a different route. So, uh, needless to say, I left the, uh, institutional church about 2012, having the largest youth group in the city, just really, really, my conscience was bugging me and I wasn't able to function in ministry the same <laughs> i was ineffective <laughs> for institutionalism <laughs> i understand yep you're talking uh, our language so that, now uh, right right uh, led me to some wilderness experience some really dark moments man you know disconnected uh alone not really understanding kind of directionless really really dark moments until i would say probably like five years ago kind of the resurrection back up so during the during the pit was depression alcoholism pornography just you know this the unfulfilled life until the the rising actually it was seven years ago <laughs> i had to lose track of time but uh yeah, seven years ago, so that must have been 2016. So I spent four years in a really, really dark place, man. And um, coming out of that that darkness and like defeating, slaying all those 
those giants kind of set me on fire to um to the new path so uh, i'm excited man i'm really excited yeah we are too definitely yeah um yeah yeah so uh, before we dive into more stuff we we were talking about uh getting together and kind of there's this movie out there that a lot of people have seen and all three of us have seen it and we had scheduled to kind of get together and talk about it and we kind of postponed it but now we're together and talking about it and, and several of our listeners are actually interested in our take and what we thought about it and you know how accurate and all those different kinds of things so yeah yeah and that movie is is uh ne- nefarious i don't know how you really pronounce that but we say nefarious down here so, <laughs> down in the shelf <laughs> yeah that's right down in the shelf yep <laughs> and uh uh so uh let's just uh take a a uh uh not a real deep dive, but just a, a real shallow dive into that movie and what we all thought about it. So, Tim, why don't you kind of go first? You're the guest, and sure, tell us what sure. you really thought about that movie and what you saw in it that maybe everybody didn't see or anything. Yeah, sure, sure. What I'd like to say first is what what other people thought about it because it was it was highly controversial in the sense yes. of masquerading as a scary movie but then going into a lot of doctrine and just kind of like setting mindsets and belief systems and stuff so that being said the 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 liberal side was really really angry um that they were kind of like set up (laughs) like (laughs) you think you're watching a scary movie and boom we're gonna feed you full of our ideology so uh i like bait and switch baby bait and switch (laughs) (laughs) major bait and switch and you know i i lean towards the conservative nature but i don't see myself as you know part of like the extreme right but at any rate uh when i was watching the movie i was actually stepping out of my own belief system and framework too and kind of able to see a little things objectively but um you know, from a political standpoint, they hit the three, at least three things that are sacred cows, and that is the mercy killing or the assisted suicide sort of mm-hmm. uh, scenario. They hit the the abortion scenario, and they hit demon possession, all kind of, you know, things that the maybe the left side ain't willing to to budge or to talk about. So I could see why they were pissed off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what's what's interesting is they even brought in a uh, and I have a buddy who's Catholic, Pat to pay BT. Anyway, it even brought in a a Catholic priest, but he was a liberal Catholic priest. It's yeah. kind of the, the the foil there. You know, he didn't really? even believe in the supernatural. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was. Did you hear about some of the the things that were taking place, like on the set and different stuff? Yeah. No. Tell us, yeah. Tell us about that. I didn't hear about that. Yeah, so yeah, they did uh, uh have a Catholic priest full time and they they talked about an exorcism being performed in a room that sounds and voices were were coming out of the couch and that lights flickering and different stuff and and, and basically there was ministry and there was prayer interceding during the movie because a lot of things were were taking place and that's what kind of prompted them to to get the priest through the whole process because a lot of people were, were a little bit of spooked about some of the things that were taking place. So that's, hmm. that's something mm-hmm. that they put out there. 
Wow. I mean, yeah, I, I was talking about actually the, the priest that was in the movie. He, he you know, the actor or the character. In the oh, movie. He, he was no. A, so they had a full time priest. Real deal. priest, um, huh? Yeah. Real deal priest. Um, and uh, like a ministry team kind of interceding <laughs> both of those because wow. of the different stuff everybody was experiencing or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was telling my friend that uh, I'm about to show my nerd card when, when he spoke in Latin, I knew what he said. So that's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty sad. I'm a goober. What did he say? <laughs> or, or, or dork. I don't remember what it was. I think he did the, uh, it was a passage out of the Bible. I think it's what it was. No, was it mini, mini? No, that was the Hebrew. Uh, yeah, that was, I, I'm a... trying to remember what the Latin was, but, uh, yeah, but I was like, mm. man, and I got a few of the words that I knew the phrase, but it, I mean, the guy's pronunciation, I really enjoyed that actor. He was in, what movie was it in? He in, uh, Lindsay, you said Boondock Saints? Yeah, Boondock oh, Saints. Sean, yeah. Sean Patrick Flanner. And I liked him in Young Indiana Jones, the series. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To, and yeah, Powder, yeah, that's another good one he did. Um, yeah. And there was, there yeah, was he another... sounded so different, though, in this movie. Obviously. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, that, that's right. I, I was thinking there was another guy in there that was in Boondock Sakes, but we watched uh, TW. Yeah, and Norman Reedus was there. Yeah, we Norman Reedus. Watching was... Walking Dead. Yeah. So, guys, what do y- what do y'all think was realistic or accurate, particularly about the demonic possession part of it? I mean, did you do you sense anything in there that was legit? And then we'll go. You know, is anything in there? It's like a a flub that you don't buy. Yeah, yeah. So I'll go first. As far as growing up, seeing people that were obviously kind of demonized uh, in the sense I didn't know what to call it then, but people nowadays would call it some sort of schizophrenia or or insanity or something. But, uh, you know, being in that environment, I've seen people have episodes and like freak out on themselves and um, like talking to things that, that aren't there. And some of this is drug induced, but in reality, you know, I think that some of them were possessed by a demon that they've given themselves over to the evil. Um, So where he kind of like acts a little bit different or, or kind of twitches or has these little like, like movements, you kind of see that um, a little bit, at least in my personal experience, from somebody you would suspect to be demonized, like weird gestures, weird movements, those sort of things. So it seemed like yeah. they hit the nail on the head on that. <laughs> but did y'all not y'all not notice what they they did the same thing that that happens in Lord of the Rings, like when Gollum and Smeagol would argue with each other. One of them would be up out of the water. Then you'd look down at the water, and it was the other one speaking, and then it would go back. They did the same thing in this. Yeah, they, it, they it, did it, that it, where it, they kind of turned the camera uh, from one side of the guy's back to the other, where you're, yeah. and he's a different person. Yeah. Yeah. That was an and, interesting. Uh, well, and, and the other take on that, to kind of piggyback on what Tim said, I think was important, too, is the contortionist stuff. And our experience, Sandy and mine's experience dealing with de- the demonic and stuff is is that is a very real, they can make the body do things that uh, would hurt a normal person to do. Like when he popped out of the handcuffs or he broke his finger or, you know, that kind of stuff. And, mm-hmm. uh, 
we we've seen people not necessarily break things, but we've seen people contort and do weird stuff before. And this was before we really had a, a good understanding of how to really deal with deliverance. We would let we would let the booger bears do what they want to do instead of telling them to you know shut up and sit down. Mm. And <laughs> yeah, so we yeah, learned put on like, the show. Let them put on a show because they will put on a show if you let them. But go ahead, Lindsay. Well, I was just going to say, I haven't had a whole lot of firsthand experience with people who are demonized um, and never that level of demonization that they depict on the movie, to be honest. I, I think we've all met people we suspect are demonized. I mean, some of the I worked at a camp years ago and I hate to say it, but there were some campers I thought. Um, may have been but i i couldn't say that for sure and i wouldn't say it for sure in many years but i'm not sure if i saw anything that i was whether i could say it was legit or not i did think that was interesting the the way the camera work with that moving from one side to another like i said and just you know the difference between the um, the guy and Nefarious was interesting. Like Tim said, he kind of twitched and was real meek. His voice was different. Uh, I thought they did that well, just as far as showing us the different, the two different people talking. But yeah, I I, I couldn't say for sure what was legit and what wasn't. I, I just don't. I don't have a whole lot of firsthand experience with that. Well, I have I have stories kind of about that, about the legitimacy of some of what they're they're talking about. The first one happened to me, and Lindsay's heard this story because I told her on a podcast, but I'll tell it to, to Tim where he can hear it. Hey, my unrefined friends. I just want to tell you guys that I am so thankful that you are my life. Some of our best fans uh, have been writing to us, and, and I, I just so encouraged about how Lives are being transformed and people are getting something out of this podcast. I mean, that's what it's all about. That's why we're doing this is to glorify Jesus and to just look at the world and have a, a more open view of the seen and the unseen and the supernatural in the world. So while we're doing that, we're going to handle all different kinds of topics. But see, what I'd like for you to be involved in or part of is our members only group things that are coming in our members only group that are going to just blow your mind not to mention there's gonna be episodes in there that you won't be able to hear just on the normal episode channel so make sure to visit our website at unrefinedpodcast.com and check out our members only community i just can't stress the fact that you know we're after building a community and there's there's so much out there you guys and there's so much coming i really believe we need to build these strong communities of christ followers to to be able to handle what might be coming in the in the future days we're sure that you'd be a good fit and we cannot wait i can't wait to see you there anyway back when when I was a teenager, I was dabbling, kind of mixed up a little bit in the occult. I had to repent for uh, uh, some things that we did and, and stuff, but it was just really through a group of friends. And uh, one night, this this guy, he said he was a, a high priest of Satan or a 
ahead of a coven or, or something. Anyway, he was in high school, probably senior or something. Interesting name for being a, a, a cult practitioner. I don't need probably need to say it on, online, but anyway, I'll just leave it at that. But uh, we were all sitting around and we were just talking to him about his stuff and, and his, his quote powers and all that stuff. And, and of course, uh, I went to church, but I was nominal. I didn't really believe in the supernatural and that, and in that further in high school that came out, I didn't buy any, I was pretty much atheistic or agnostic, but, but this guy took his fingers and snapped just like this and pointed at a street light and it went, it busted, it went completely out. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I think I pretty much almost peed myself. Honestly, and uh, it really left an impression in me. And so when the guy busted the light out in that room, I was like, yep, that's legit. I know they can do that or, or something can do that. The other story I want to tell is one of the first people that Sandy and I prayed with up here at the retreat center. This person was struggled with all kinds of different, quote, mental illness, unquote. And, I, and some of it was legit. Uh, Sandy and I have the belief that not all mental illness is demonic. However, a lot of your mental illness has what we call a demonic footprint. In other words, it's caused in some shape, form, or fashion uh, from the demonic without it necessarily being a demon that's actually doing the one-to-one -one causation. So anyway, but, but what's funny about this, and this, is, this shows the kind of the opposite legitness of what the psychiatrist was doing, is we started, she started manifesting this alter ego and i thought it was a demon because i wasn't we were all new at this and and i i thought everything like that would be a demon and we cast it out we did everything and blah blah blah. we spent like you know 30 minutes to an hour dealing with this thing and later on to find out it was actually a disassociated part it was actually she had mpd and it was one of her parts is what we call them and so i'm sitting here trying to minister to this woman and i'm pissing her off and i'm pissing her part off if I could say that I guess I could say this but anyway I was making the woman mad and uh this part mad because I was accusing it of being the demonic so that's another thing that's legit so sometimes there's a lot of gray area when it mm -hmm. comes to um I guess it's just a precautionary tale you need to be careful sometimes that you can a person can have uh, what they used to call multiple personality yeah. and they now call DID. And those, those people can manifest that particular part and you think it's a demon. Yeah. So that's that a good works. reason just not to make blanket statements. I would say yes. about things yes. just to hold yes. off what Amy call it a, a holding pattern or, um, and, and pray about it and know, and yeah, just knowing the difference between legit, things like DID or whatever and and genuine demonization things like that I think's important because you can you know you, you can approach it the wrong way yeah you can make yeah. uh, boo-boos so to speak so yeah. what what do you what did you guys did y'all pick up anything in there you, that was inaccurate that was off I mean I have one but Tim did you pick up anything that was like inaccurate that you sensed about that movie um, you know, towards the end there, I felt, um, you know, I, f there was a, there was a part of me that seemed like the will of the guy was overridden 
by evil, which I have have a problem with mm-hmm. in the sense of so the paradigm that that I believe and I'm open to be challenged, you know, because I'm not holding tightly, but um is the way that it was with me is a progression of choices and opening yourself up to it and and actually having no resistance where you know the guy at the end he you you already know that he knew what he did didn't want nothing to do with it that he was like closing the door Mm -hmm. but it still seemed like it gave satan more power probably and authority that i thought that that should be given to him Mm -hmm. um but once again that's just coming from the the mindset of progressive opening the door. I'll explain to you why I came to this conclusion just so you can get a little bit of background, but yeah, inside of my meth days of basically you're kind of like fasting for evil. I mean, you, when you're up <laughs> all night on uh, and you're, and you're, tweaking and you're, you're yep. doing this for days, you're, you're on a fast. Okay. And not only are you on a fast, but you're putting all these chemicals in. And so, um, I opened myself up to some witchcraft and and different things to where I was trying to trying to manipulate people in situations by incantations and stuff. Anyways, um I saw things, I heard things, I had the classic paranoia that meth people have of there's constantly somebody out there chasing you or following you and I'd spend sometimes eight hours running from somebody who wasn't there throughout the day. So needless to say, not everybody has that bad of experience with meth, but I feel like the progression of where I was going and the opening myself up to the different things that, that I've, I actually welcomed them and, and gave them attention and a place to stay. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were, they were running rapid with me. So whether that was, you know, a consequence of no sleep or the drugs, like somebody can debate that and that's fine. But yeah, I opened myself up to the drugs, yeah. to the witchcraft, to the f- basically fasting for evil mm-hmm. and allowed myself to be tormented by what I was hearing and, and all of that stuff. So there was just a progression of opening the door. So I felt like the guy was closing the door, kind of standing inside like, no, no. And then evil still was able to like yeah. wreak havoc with them. So that was, that was one of the main things when it, at the end there, I was like, Hmm. You're like, you're saying they kind of made him look like a helpless victim. Yeah. Just yeah. Being uh-huh. acted upon and never doing anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Besides, you know, uh, let's say the abortion in the in the uh, um, the helping the assisted suicide. So I get the the progression of where he opened the door, but it seemed like at the end he was uh, even as humans who doesn't have the spirit of Christ. It seems like if uh, resistance and close the door, like I don't know how much uh, evil can control somebody who is in active stance of resistance. Now, I don't know. Uh, I haven't fleshed all of this out, but that was the part that bugged me a little bit. Yeah, I, theologically, I don't even buy the whole dynamic of the word possession. Number one, it's just a it's a bad translation, and, and I'm probably going to get in hot water for this, but it's just, 
it's just reality that I don't believe, even in unbelievers, that demon possession really occurs. There's always the God gave us free will, and there's always that place if we cry out to God. So in I can't remember the name of the villain. What was his name? Do y'all remember his name? Um, it was three. I remember it was three names. They always named serial killers three names. But uh, yeah, I, I have a problem with what I'd call full-blown possession. Even with the demoniac, he still had sense of being to come and bow down in front of Jesus and and ask for help. Yeah, and yeah, and so, so there, the there's control a control of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah I mean, so. they did the same thing with Edward, the the guy Nefarious. I mean, they made him look poor, poor. And yeah, there's tragedy to. It's not like a melodramatic. He was totally evil, but you know, they made him look like a completely helpless victim. Like, right? Oh, oh, yeah. He can't help. The, so the, one thing that I, you know, I think about when when talking about this is uh demonized in doctrine of demons i think are two different things and mm. and but they can manifest in the same way and i think the doctrine of demons is just basically mindsets and belief systems that we pick up that are in line with evil you know yes and those could manifest just like an evil spirit can but then i then i know the progression of 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 um evil in the sense of i open the door and i give it a little bit let's just say for example soft pornography going into hard going into deeper like bondage and then going into like so the progressive of the opening of the door and the the appetite increases i think there's that's beyond a, a doctrine of a devil it's a uh, giving yourself over um, to the influence to be um, basically mastered and controlled by it yeah, well, it kind of works just like how grace works. I mean, if you think about it, you open yourself up to a little grace, and God gives you grace, and then you, you know, you take a few more steps, and you get a little grace, and and it's the same spiritual principle as as that is as well. And I think that's why I, I don't want to come down with any hard and fast uh, uh, doctrines about a lot of this kind of stuff. I just want to deal with whatever is in front of me, so to speak. And and I, I think it goes back yeah. to just follow, following the father and whatever the father's doing is what I want to do. And so if someone in front of me is manifesting this, that, and the other, I want to use discernment, whether it's a, a, a psychological issue or, or if it's a basically a um, demonic issue. And, and so that just requires, I think, discernment and listening to God. And I yeah. think that's how we should approach it. Yeah. I like that mindset. And I think that majority of what we're experiencing is limiting beliefs and, and mindset stuff that can be replaced with the truth. But that's not to say that there's, there's not this small percentage who are um, progressed to a very, very dark state, and they've really given themselves over to, to the influence, you know? Exactly, but it all comes down to your will, you know. I mean, will, Hitler your got choice, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you can become so your your will can become so hardened or hard willed or hard hearted that that you, you know, it's like Tim and I, you, you and I discussed that we even think possibly at the end of life there's still going to be people that stand before God that will curse him and die, you know, yeah, even as yeah. they stand, even as they stand right before him and he has their fate in his hands and he's still gonna you know, go against him. The other thing I wanted to say too, that goes along with what you're talking about with mindset that I think is so crucial. And this was even brought up in the movie 
it, and I can't remember specifically what what uh, item he talked about this book, but all, all I think the enemy has to do in a lot of occasions, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is basically just whisper one thing, and he'll set the dominoes off with our bad mindsets to go wherever he wants us to go because of that bad programming, so to speak, we have in our, yeah. in our souls. Is, is yeah. that similar to what you're talking about? Yeah, it's like... He doesn't That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about is nine. Uh, I don't know if I'd say 90%. It might be even more than that. Most of the dysfunction in our life happens because we, we accepted a heart belief. So we, we had something that communicated strongly to us. We attached significance to that thing. And then we also attached a, a lie to it. And it was felt with strong emotion. So we believed it to be true. And that's what we're dealing with the majority of time. Um, though, you know, I look at myself and when I was giving myself over to drugs and to witchcraft and opening that door and hearing those voices and, and couldn't take a shower because the demons were talking about killing me and, you know, just weird, uh, stuff that I think, um, you know, chemicals and, and witchcraft and some of these other things would kind of lead you to open to experience more. Cause I don't think the people around me were experiencing the same thing I was. In fact, I know they weren't. Yeah. Because I I would know, you know, because I was with them a, a lot of different times and they saw me have these like little freak outs. Yeah. The interesting thing, Tim, is, is I, I think, and I don't buy the whole doctrine of uh, generational curses and all that kind of stuff. However, I do think that there are, there is the possibility for what I call generational sin and also familial. And I mean that in the sense of not familiar, but in the sense of familial, like family spirits that follow families that, that if, if anything, they know enough about our families to know what buttons to push on the Xbox controller to get you to go a certain way, you know, almost uh, like if, if there's such thing as guardian angels, then surely there could be such thing as demons that follow families and people around as well. Yeah. Uh, so, and that, that just goes to what you were saying about how things can be just set in motion and we'll, we'll take care of a lot of stuff on our own without them directly. Yeah. Manipulating. But the, the thing that I think about with that is, um, uh, so environmental programming also comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll tread lightly on this cause I haven't fully fleshed out these thoughts either, but if you go down to, let's say, uh, into the depths of Louisiana, where there's a history of a lot of witchcraft, hoodoo, voodoo, all kinds of different, you know, uh, spiritual modalities. But then you go into, let's say, where I used to live, North Idaho, and it's a resort town, and their culture is a lot different. Based upon belief system and environmental factors, the the people that that are in Louisiana, their experience is going to be quite different because of the things that they believe. Um, hmm. For example, a bump in the night for somebody for them might be a spirit or a ghost. A bump in in the night for somewhere somebody else who doesn't believe in ghosts is just you know cat messing around sort of thing. So, and the response is based upon their beliefs. So this has a lot to play inside of our reality is what we believe also. And, you know, the according to your faith, be it unto you. 
yeah. is a statement that we might need to mm-hmm. uh, investigate a little further because people are going to have their reality shaped by their what they believe. You want to weigh in on that, Lindsay? Well, man, I'm just thinking about that line. I said, the devil will dance to any tune we play for him <laughs> as long as he can play us in the process. So, yeah, you're, you're right. It, it can, it, the, the danger is people taking that, oh, it, it depends on your beliefs and saying that just means we all make it up however we want and not seeing the enemy in that. It's, it's like, yes and yes, our cultural beliefs shape how the enemy gets at us, but that doesn't mean the enemy's not real. Yeah. It's, I think that's an important thing well, to remember. And, and do y'all remember, and I can't remember, do you remember the part where, where the, the spirit was talking to the psychiatrist? He, he was talking about all the different things that they, the doctrines of demons that they've come up with, they manipulate with, and he said, in this one, we didn't even have to come up with. Y'all came up with it on your own. <laughs> Uh, yeah, hate, hate crime. Hate crimes. Yeah, yeah. Like Something political, yeah. which which I buy hate crimes, y'all. They exist. I mean, just like racism still exists. Just because it's pushed to the, you know, not ad nauseum doesn't mean that racism still doesn't exist. It does. And you live in the South for a while, you realize it's still very alive and well. But that doesn't mean I have yeah. to do the wokey pokey. Yeah. Now, one more thing that I want to bring out, and then I want to get into talking about Band of Brothers. And uh, something I noticed that Lindsay and I instantly picked up on when we watched it is they differ dramatically in their belief of what a demon is. And without, yeah, with yeah, the typical fallen yeah, angel, without, thing. you know, taking this show too far down a rabbit hole, uh, I don't, I no longer believe that, that a demon or an unclean spirit or whatever as such is necessarily a dark angel. I think it's a spirit of a Nephilim that has died. And and there's all kinds of reasoning behind that. First off being that they look for, uh, that they're in dry places and they look for places where they can inhabit and the, and the need for a body. A, a, an angel never really has a need for a body, but a Nephilim does because it had a body before. And so anyway, that was, that was a major... Mm-hmm kind of a doctrinal difference, but it's not a big enough doctrinal difference that I couldn't, you know, enjoy the movie and get everything out of it. Because yeah. it's like what Tim said earlier, I can't empirically come down and say, oh yeah, uh, dark angels never mess with people or inhabit bodies or do any of that kind of stuff. But uh, but overall, I think the whole concept, and I think Second Temple Judaism teaches this as well, that unclean spirits yeah. and, and such are disembodied Nephilim. So, well, and if nothing else, the Bible doesn't teach that unclean spirits are fallen angels. It, it just it, it just doesn't true. teach that. Yeah, maybe you could argue it's a conclusion you could come to, but it, it's not taught in the Bible anywhere. And so, I think people should at least say that. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, well, let's switch gears. I want to spend the last half of what we're what we're doing here talking about uh, something gospel-oriented, something hopeful and good. Nefarious was great, and uh, I recommend, and you guys can chime in here too, I recommend people see it, just if anything, to have kind of an idea of how the enemy could possibly operate in, you know, without seeing it as Bible doctrine. I think it's worth seeing. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah. I... Uh... 
just a final thought was the was the part that I liked the most was 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 good really good dialogue I mean for uh, uh, whoever wrote the script they they did really really good but uh, one thing I I feel like they smashed really well and which I'm in like in agreement with is the the thought and mindset that humanity is progressing to their enlightenment and things are going to get to really really better you know so he's like he's challenging them oh we've done this and we've done this and we've done this and and intuitively we all know that things are are eroding and kind of deteriorating and the mindset that i've adopted is the intervention of christ is going to be a necessity um because of like the evil that is going to just literally obliterate the population. <laughs> like it's going to uh, mm-hmm. necessitate his return in a form of an intervention. So uh, I would say we're eroding, we're experiencing erosion, not a, we're not going to transcend into, you know, our divinity, yeah. if you will, like the new uh, kind of new age mindset says, you know? Yeah. Well, and, just real quick, there's a evangelical conservative version of what the guy was saying, um, the the psychiatrist in there. Freerism. Yeah, minus the progressive slant, of course, but there's still this post-millennial, not always post-millennial, there's a guy we read that's pre-mill and still holds to kind of what he calls a victorious, um, look, Christ's eschatology is going to be victorious no matter what, but just more positive, we're going to conquer the world and make everything better. I mean, a lot of those guys will use a lot of the same arguments and will say, look look at all the things that are better in the world now. And and you think things are, are going downhill, but we got this. We got every, People are eating more than they ever have, and people are healthier than they've ever been. And just... Well... Is is that the believers? I mean, is that our standard? The world is getting better by the world's standards. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's by you know, Lindsay. We've talked about this. That's my sticking point with that. Is if that's true, and I do believe that there's a lot of things that, as far as preterists, that things that have happened in the scripture, they have happened, and Jesus talked about them, like eighty, seventy in the temple. Yeah. But if if we're if if we're going to judge an, an eschatology of the things are getting better, it's going to have to be the church to me being salt and light and making things better, not the world. Because like our friend eyes on the right has said, you know, the things are getting better, but the things that are getting better are going towards a telos or a goal of controlling the whole world and, and towards you know, making transhumanism and all this. In other words, it has a an evil goal. This progressiveness has an evil goal, and just like that that guy pointed yeah. out in the in the movie, there, you know, he was talking about how everything's good, this, that, and the other. But then the guy, the demonized guy, basically says, "Well, yeah, but it's all going towards the wrong direction." You know, the wrong telos. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of your preterists don't realize that that uh, that they've kind of you know, drink the Kool-Aid in the sense of that, that everything's getting better, but it's not getting better because of Christians. It's getting better because of the world and the world has, has yeah. a goal. And yeah. uh, any, anyway, mm-hmm. so I'll leave that alone. 
because I have buddies out there that are preterists that are listening to this podcast, and, and I love them, and I, I don't want to, yeah. you know, uh, pee in their punch, so to speak. But anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're we are unrefined and unrefined. So anyway, so let's uh, let's switch yeah. gears and talk about Band of Brothers, Tim. I want you to you, you've talked a little bit about what got you here, but what what led you to start Band of Brothers, and then and then I'll kind of pop in a little bit and talk about how we met and stuff. And I'd love Lindsay for you to weigh in on what your experience with the coaching program, freedom coaching and stuff. Sure. So, so Tim, take it away, yeah. sir. Yeah. So what inspired it was um, the shutdowns and the lockdowns. I seen a need inside of the addiction community because nobody was able to go to in-person groups. Uh, that was the main problem. Mm-hmm. And the secondary problem was both AANA and Celebrate Recovery had a a bylaw that banned them from doing online ministry. Wow. Uh, the danger, of course. Yeah, yeah. The danger of that, of course, is somebody's being vulnerable and the person next to them has a camera and they're recording everything. Now you got blackmail material. That's the main mm reason behind it and i get it um cr uh evolved after like a year because they realized that um you know that they weren't helping anybody and uh things were going bad so anyways i seen the need i uh, started a, a a podcast called god-centered men's recovery and uh, started doing online groups and um you know helping men uh, have support during that process so that's what kind of led to the ministry after the lockdowns and things kind of reopened it, it, it fizzled out um, because the main draw was a replacement. Um, and so the pivot was, you know, how, where, where do I go from here? Like, what do I do now? Um, and what is the message going to be sort of thing? So uh, it took me like six months to, kind of understand where God was leading uh, but from the experience of creating those virtual groups and stuff uh I had a foundation to kind of pivot and and to go forward so that's that's the evolution of it and that's how it happened was um you know seeing the need and men needing support uh from addiction and solving that problem hmm yeah and 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 I'll jump in and so I met Tim because we had a, a earlier guest on our podcast. Some of you guys might remember Frank Viola. And uh, I, I met Tim through that that relationship. And I told Tim he was going to be on our show. And then we just gradually started communicating and talking. And we realized, like, well, I mean, he he definitely has this this passion, this desire to to be a super spreader is what we've always prayed for. And and Lindsay and I particularly, but Lindsay, Sandy and I, we were all doing what we call DMM, disciple-making movements. And so I met Tim and I'm like, man, this this is like his missing ingredient that he needs to take these groups that he had like to the yeah. next level. And uh, so we started talking and he came on um, Sunday morning. And I think once he came once on Sunday morning and saw how the three-thirds concept of group worked, I think he was hooked. And uh yeah. It's all the accountability and the intimacy that you can have there and just the potential for m- multiple ministry. 
And because multiplication is what for years I had read different people's books on discipleship and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sure Tim and Lindsay can chime in here too. You know, it's taught in the church that we make disciples, but they're they're usually only one generation. We don't follow the two 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 principle of Second Timothy two yeah. two of of you pour into faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And there's like I didn't get that right, but in that scripture, there's four generations. And so I met Tim, and we like it was like boom, you know, it it was it was like an explosion. And yeah, and I'm and and so I'm like. Yeah, let's do this. Let's do this online. Let's see what it looks like to start a movement online and to begin to mm-hmm. teach men how to make disciples and make disciples, starting first with them, but also with each other, but then also into their families and then their surrounding areas, which I think is our ultimate goal is to, to create kingdom outposts all over the world. I mean, yeah, I would, yeah. I'd like to say United States, mm-hmm. but look, we're, we're not, we, let's do it all over the world. And so, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that is what Band of Brothers is and is becoming. And we joke and say we're building the airplane in the air. So if any of you out there yeah. jump <laughs> in, <laughs> you might have a part to play in, in helping yeah. us build this thing. Cause it's, mm-hmm. I mean, Tim and Lindsay will both agree. It's not about us. It's, yeah. uh, if you can yeah. see me right now, I have a hand wide open and that's my ministry philosophy is open-handed versus a closed hand and and that was one of the things that attracted me to to tim is that that concept of like like dude it's not about numbers it's about really impacting people's lives and if we pour deeply into a few those few are going to pour deeply into a few and it's going to spread like like wildfire you know yeah and that's a good segue into one of the main things I've gotten out of this band of brothers and particularly the freedom coaching training I'm going through right now is just that the, that balls in your court um, mentality that goes along with it. That, I mean, first of all, just the goals, just having this expectation to set goals and getting accountability for that has, has made a difference. I was getting kind of shaky in my, devotional life and and other areas and this this gives me goals and i make those goals yeah you know and i just love that the ball's in your court i need that and i need to pass that on to others i i I need to say hey ball's in your court i could finagle and arm twist you and guilt you and all sorts of things into getting what i want out of you or i can put the ball in your court and say what need is this coming out of, you know, et cetera. And yeah, that, that, that's, that's been invaluable to me. Yeah. You touched on uh, something that one of the foundational principles that changed my life, there's multiple, but this is a big one that the uh, holistic God mindset of loving him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength and having that correlate to mental, emotional, even strength can be talked about as being physical. So in that mindset, we have kind of a whole being that loves God. And you say, well, you know, is is it, can I just love him with my mind? And there's plenty of people out there just doing that, just loving him intellectually, right? Amen. uh, I did did for years. Yeah. Yep. That this, this concept of, of being made whole. So salvation uh, of save, sozo, completeness, wholeness, 
uh, Jesus coming to make people whole, uh, you know, first touching the blind, opening our eyes, giving us clarity, like all this stuff just talks about us being whole in stepping into some sort of wholeness. So I do believe it's a, it's kind of missing inside of the church world in general. I don't think it's talked about that much. And that is like, if we're given a principle, like I give unto you peace, let's just say that, for example, it's the first thing that came to my mind. I don't give you peace as the world gives you. I give you my peace. What does that look like inside of your heart, soul, mind, and strength? What does that look like holistically to live in peace? What am I, how am I going to show up at work or in my business with a mindset of, of peace connected to God, to my relationship? And really considering it in a whole fashion, I think is missing today. And so being part of mm. bringing that back into focus. Cause uh, honestly, I think it was uh, into focus. I mean, if Jesus is talking about living with all the heart, mind, soul and strength, then they were tapping into of a holistic message. Well, and let me tell you where it's really not at. And you know, it, it is, it's not among men in the church. You might see it in different places among women. The women have their Bible studies. They There's a lot of women out there in the entrepreneurial world that are coaching, that are trying to raise up godly women and biblical women and, and all that kind of stuff. But as far as for the men, it is definitely something that's just not there. I mean, not, yeah. not, not like it is for the women. And I think that we fulfill with our, with the band of brothers, we fulfill that place for men to, to not just get a bunch of head knowledge only, but to begin to obey the scriptures, to begin to obey the things, like Lindsay said, to set goals and to begin to work them out and, and, op and operate mm. them out. And yeah. uh, y'all get what I'm saying? It's just really... I do. I do. You know, with the... That is like, you know, if I don't have, let's just say one, like, let's just go, I'm loving the Lord with all my heart, soul, and strength. And... Maybe I'm not engaging my mind in the process and I'm not actually like consuming content and reading books or getting into the word. Uh, right. My life will suffer maybe 25% because of that. Right. Um, not to say that I couldn't have a good life, but if I want to do it in a holistic fashion, then I'll, I'll do that piece too. And so here's what I think about the danger or what's the oppositional force against this is like, as a man, you know, I feel like our main things are to be a provider, be a protector and provide uh, significance and purpose. So the three P's, you know, mm -hmm. protect, provide and purpose. And so let's say we're a good provider and a good protector, but we don't provide purpose inside of our marriage. What's going to uh, happen or what's going to become of that um, by me failing to bring that part in? So when I think holistically, I, I think of not failing at any parts. I want to be a provider. I want to be a protector and I want to provide purpose. I want to do all three and I don't want to be deficient. So. Yeah, and, and you know there's there's definitely a, a, a niche out there for this because look at the rise of Andrew Tate or the rise of, uh, you know, even Jordan Peterson to an extent or different people out there in the what I yeah. call secular world 
And and I'm not saying I agree with Andrew Tate. Not at all. I mean, I think he's a misogynist in a lot of ways. I mean, <laughs> that's just my, but he is fulfilling something out there that there's a lot of younger guys that are tired of, of the way men are treated and viewed in, in our culture and they're wanting to stand up and they're wanting to, you know, yeah. and we need to give them a, we don't want toxic, toxic masculinity, but then again, we don't want milk toast masculinity either. And so yeah, we, yeah. we, we need to give them a biblical perspective or a biblical way to, to be men. And, and, and that not only go for like quote alpha men, but for all types of men of different, yeah. different, uh, wire, yeah. That's what different I was wirings thinking. and different stuff. Yeah. So that would be, uh, so I'm a, I'm an Andrew Tate fan. I really am. Uh, but I would minus like three things is wrong with the movement. And that is that the, they, they portray the high D as the best evolution of man. Right. Yeah. High yeah. D. Uh, and that's usually a dominant fit uh ceo boss executing and the reality is is that we all have different personalities and to tell somebody else that they need to be this kind of man um, when they're actually maybe like a conscientious intellectual and mm -hmm. their alphaness is actually in like they could shred you like with information and knowledge where mm -hmm. the other one would 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 shred you with his domination and business and making money or whatever. So, you know, that's one part that I feel is very toxic about the message that he's sending. Uh, the other one is the, um, it's tied to the alpha dog also. And it comes from more of like an evolutionary standpoint, like, like alpha dogs are the ones who get all the girls. <laughs> and I would, I would beg to differ. There yes. is a lot of rich, powerful people that are not high D's whatsoever. Um, that you know, have plenty of money and plenty of sex and all this different stuff. So he's missing on, on quite a few marks and I'm not really a fan of Islam either, but the, so he's probably got a couple more things, but I do like the guy. Yeah. Uh, he just doesn't, uh, he doesn't uh, hit all the points for me. Um, it's got some issues with his his uh, paradigm a little bit. Yeah, he just he just though points though to me with a blaring neon sign though that this is what's missing in our culture. Yeah, a, a true masculinity, and I think, like you said, ultimately that we have from the Bible a biblical view coming from Jesus. You know, too a true view of, of masculinity. I mean, Jesus wasn't milk toast. Jesus was tough to yeah. endure the cross and not die before you make it to Golgotha. That proves that he was not only, you know, emotionally and spiritually tough, he was physically tough as well. And so, yeah. I mean, we, we need to realize that, that, that there, there's a need out there in, and, and women are crying out for it, particularly Christian women in a lot of these groups that I'm a part of. They, they want their husbands to be the leader of their household. They want their husbands yeah. to, to lead. And every man can lead with their unique wiring if they understand what that wiring is and then what it looks like to lead from that unique wiring, which that'd, yeah. be, a good, that'd be a great book, wouldn't it, Tim? <laughs> it yeah, would, how, it would. How to, lead, how to lead from your unique wiring. Anyway, so. But, That's... Uh, that's actually, you know, more of a message that I would 
I would put out there and then the alphas, the end all be all. Another thing I wouldn't, uh, you know, the women are a little bit, obviously coming from Islam, the women are a little subservient and they fit inside their little gender roles or whatever. I yeah. lead uh, with my wife as a team and we execute everything together. So there's this more of collaboration, but. Uh, yep. Yep. Yeah. I agree with that. Yep. It's here's an important point to think about this too, is the people that you like, I don't agree with him. Like I half agree with him. I like what he's about, right? We're talking about Andrew Tate, but can I still like step out of the, the framework of liking somebody and disagreeing with them on multiple different points and be my own person? Like, yes, you know, and, and still be okay with what, cause I'll listen to him. I'll listen to Jordan Peterson. And I have the same thoughts about him. I have the same yes. thoughts about everybody in the daily wire that I don't like, you know, particularly, uh, agree with half the time but you know anyways well more open to other opinions i think is the only way i'm able to combat andrew tates and know about him and say what i would do different is because i actually heard his information i wouldn't even be able to communicate why i think he's wrong in all these different points you know yeah you're missing stuff <laughs> well we communicate it like this on our show and Lindsay's gonna be able to finish it we eat the meat there you go. Spit out yep. the bones. That's, Boom. That, that's <laughs> and we got some new shirts out there in our. I'm on shameless plug. We got some shirts in our store that that have that exact thing on it. Eat the meat, spit out the bones. Because I mean, that's just reality. If anybody thinks that it truth is. is only in the Bible, then why do they use cell phones and cars? I mean, here here's reality. You know, Scripture is prima. Scripture is, is important. Scripture should shape everything we do. But the only truth in the world is not found only in scripture. And we need to maturity and wisdom tells us this. Even Paul talked about that, you know, uh, you're, you're there's wisdom in other areas and, and we need to learn as men uh, to eat the meat, spit out the bones. And uh, like you I said, I love get, that philosophy. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, there's a lot of Christians out there that say, beware of teachers when they say, eat the meat, spit out the bones. It allows for, impure doctrine but i'm like you know reality is dude your doctrine's impure you just don't know where it is yet <laughs> yeah so well they would never be able to challenge it because they'd never be open to new information you know exactly and i even so even on the the right side per se i open myself up to that but even on the other side i'll open myself up to to maybe uh left-leaning or liberal side uh even um universalism and some of these thoughts just to capture what it is that they're implying so I can learn a different perspective, but I'm rooted in my own mm. opinion. You know, I am rooted. Yes. Um, so I'm able to come to my own conclusions, you know, so it's good though. Eat the yes. meat, spit out the bones. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Yep. And, and that's, that's our way of life around the unrefined is, is, uh, it's very caveman, which I love. And so talk about alpha male. But anyway, let's see, Tim, will you kind of give everybody the, the lowdown? Because you know more about details than I do about this of of what's available with the freedom coaching. Will you give them your sure. your best. Uh, yeah. 10 minute or five minutes spiel share. Sure. So yeah. Elevator, yeah, elevator pitch. pitch. That's it. Um, the smallest elevator pitch is. 
you know, to really accomplish uh, freedom for yourself and to begin to walk inside of that and then also be able to model that and to do the same for others. So when I talk about freedom, I'm talking about freedom from destructive guilt cycles and shame, freedom to pursue God, freedom to walk in his love, even a bit of financial freedom, because we're going to teach you things about course creation, having a podcast, you know, these different things, social media marketing and stuff like that. So, you know, it's freedom, uh, holistically, mind, body, soul, and spirits, and to be able to accomplish that for yourself. Uh, I do believe this program will get you better in almost any area of your life. And I do believe it ultimately can free you from addictions and some destructive cycles that you're facing. So you can progress on because what I've noticed inside of uh, men, you know, we have a tendency to do this, that we won't progress forward because of that sin in our life. <laughs> and yeah. that sin in our life is what actually is disqualifying us or, or, or causing us to feel like we can't step out. So that being said, we have to feel like we kind of mastered or beat that thing a little bit to begin to step forward. And I don't know why that is, um, but I get it. And mm -hmm. so we'll help you get free, help you get clear on what it is you want to do. And that way you can begin to, to step forward uh, inside of your life. So that's in a nutshell, as far as you know, certification uh, through our coaching program and then a possibility to be uh, licensed through our ministry in a future date. Um, so that's kind of it in a nutshell. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. It reminds me too, with what you're saying, uh, one of the principles that we have in the DMM world is what we call duckling discipleship. And that basically means you follow the mother duck, but you only follow the, you follow who is it directly in front of you. So to be a leader, all you have to do is be one step ahead of the person behind you. And us as men, we disqualify ourselves with that sin, whatever that sin is, instead of realizing that as we begin to walk out the other things, that sin could fall off of us because we, we switch our focus from being, you know, sin conscious to becoming God conscious and others oh. conscious. Yep. So... Yeah. Yep. That right there is how I feel like we we get people free. It's like if you got purpose and you're stepping into a new identity, there there's things that naturally shed off. Um and yes. your, the focal point is key. Um what you focus on grows. And so all these programs that promise you to deliver you from addiction, pornography, alcohol, but they cause you to come back and tell you the same old war stories over and over and over. They're actually get you into counting days and like this weird sort of, um, uh, of programming that, uh, you don't have to do. <laughs> so, well, that was my, one of my biggest problems back in the day, about 20 years ago, when I started doing ministry with the addicted and stuff like that, when we started doing house church is, I fundamentally disagree with AA and the big book's basic premise is that once you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic. That goes contrary 
to the scripture. I get where they were coming from from that, that we need to be aware of our weaknesses and, and all that kind of stuff. But where is the room for, number one, our new identity in Christ? And mm, number yep. two, for being able to grow and, and and be sanctified along the way. I mean, can people yeah. really change? And and I'm not saying that AA and NA and those other things didn't do good things. They have. I mean, if if it works for you and gets you sober, do it. You know, but yeah. But like with our freedom coaching, one of the primary advantages is not only is it for you as you go through the program. We're also making it others focus for it's you're learning to help someone else. And that is a huge part of getting our minds off ourselves and beginning to help others, which is what AA does with yeah. sponsorship, but we do it with discipleship. Yeah. Mm. That is, you know, you get to live holistically yourself and experience the benefits of being filled with purpose. And then to take that same skill or process that you went through to get clarity and then help somebody else to live more complete and whole at the same time. So yeah. um, good stuff. Lindsay, you have any final words that you'd like to say about freedom coaching or band of brothers? No, I mean, I, I mean, I've enjoyed it. It's helped me out a whole lot. I don't know what else to no, say. That's... Thanks Tim for coming on and, and yeah, sharing about, nefarious too i enjoyed that but yeah just really giving men this this option um and i'm i'm glad to be going through it all right well we're gonna have the deets on the on the show notes but tim go ahead and give them the rundown of, of the different details to follow up with band of brothers yeah yeah um i would recommend uh typing that into facebook band of brothers christian men's discipleship you can type that in, check that out, and come join the Facebook group. And then from there, there's several places you can go as far as joining one of our free online groups and getting connected with discipleship and accountability. And then uh, there is the freedom coaching uh, that you can go through. So we're creating a, a process for people to go through. And uh, we're, we're taking you on a journey, so I hope you're ready for the ride. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I, I really want to interject too. Yeah, it, it's 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 not about doing the stuff; it's about the journey. It's about the experience, and and that's what you get the most out of this is you get to, you know, you get to become a part of a band of brothers that are following God together, and I think that that's what men need in this time. Yeah. The big vision, if I might throw that out there, is to create a big, big net. And so the next time a scenario comes to where um, institutionalism is shut down or you have some other pandemic or whatever, like this, this network and this web of all across the United States and even some parts of the world or whatever is that we we mobilize and we mobilize quick and we're able to catch what what god wants us to catch amen amen so that's a great place for us to wrap this up thank you tim for coming on and talking about nefarious and talking about band of brothers which is dear to my heart and Lindsay's heart as well thank you so much brother yeah thank you yeah, appreciate thanks, it brothers bro.
Thanks for listening and supporting us. And remember, stay naturally supernatural.